a five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> okay, you suck. <laughs> okay, let's try it. One, two, three. <laughs> Somebody is not a dancer. All right, I'm Cadence. And I'm Alexa. And we are Something, Something Sinister, Sinister Podcast. Podcast. We are. We are. We got to get creative with that. Yeah, we do. Like next week, let's try Here, let's try an accent. Ready? Hello, I'm Cadence. And I'm Alexa. <laughs> and we're Something, Something Sinister, Sinister Podcast. Podcast. I totally changed my accent. <laughs> Oh God! We All are right. the same clothes that we wore last week. Yeah, we. Yeah, duh. I mean, why not? Why we, we are dedicated? We stayed in these clothes. For we an are going week. to wear the same outfit every episode from here on out. Like we're never changing clothes. <laughs> never. We're never washing these. Ever. My shirt definitely has a stain on it, but it's fine. <laughs> right. Um. Ugh. I'm super excited for this episode. Me too. So we are talking about like the history of psychiatric hospitals, asylums, pleading insanity, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. something that we are like super interested in, super interested. And, you know, this has nothing to do with what you just said, but I just had an idea. Um, I (laughs) think the so these are typically short, sinister stories. This is going to be a long one. I think we should cut our drinking word. Yeah, I don't think we need to do a drinking word. Just yeah. sip along. Uh, we are drinking tequila soda with uh, pomegranate juice. We had last week. Yeah, same exact <laughs> ones. <laughs> we just so go, we just snap our fingers and they're instantly refilled. Yeah, so we have a lot of content to get through for this episode. So yeah, just drink along, get drunk because it's yes. fun. Why not? Why not? So and I. Personally, for true crime, my favorite, I think what's so fascinating about it for me is the psychology behind all of it. Oh, for sure. And, and, and seeing the quote unquote crazy. I know yeah. that's like politically so incorrect, but like seeing how yeah. the brain just totally goes to shit is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's also the reason why I liked watching, uh, what was that cop show? Live PD, live PD, On and like lives seeing the crackheads, it was yeah. fascinating. Oh, I not, know. And and obviously, like it can get comical, but it's like, man, seeing a person who is out of their mind is just yeah. like a it's car wild. crash you can't look away from. Right? It seriously <laughs> is. It yeah. seriously is. Like we were watching On Patrol Live last night because we love it. It's yeah 2.0 life whatever um but yeah there was this girl on there and she was legit tweaking like using a stick and twirling it like a baton and it was all it was wild i'm like what is going on through her mind right now meth Meth is going through her mind is going on through her mind yeah (gasps) so that's kind of why we wanted to do this episode so yeah are you ready i'm ready let's just dive in all right, our videos and podcasts are for entertainment purposes. All information discussed was found on the internet. Keep in mind, we will talk all things sinister that may not be suitable for all audiences. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. So, I am going to go over the timeline of psychiatric hospitals, mm-hmm. asylums, and the treatment that these poor people en- endured. Yeah. So, Back in the ancient Greek and the Roman Empire times. Wow, we're taking it way back. Way back. Okay. Got it. Mental illness was viewed as a religious punishment or even a demon possession. So it's hmm. stated that in the 5th century BC, 
Hippocrates of Kos, who was a Greek physician, was treating mentally ill people with many different techniques that weren't related to religion, um, except exorcism. So, or sorry, he wasn't treating them related to religion, such as an exorcism. Instead, he would treat them with substances and medications. He would also try to change that person's life, like by changing their job or changing their environment or changing the people that they were around to try to see if that would help their situation or help the mental illness that they were battling. So, It's just keep that in mind as we talk about the timeline of treatment. And if you hear, he would treat them with substances and medications. Like cocaine? Wait, I I thought cocaine was legitimately used to treat depression at one point. It didn't say what the drugs were. But this was back like ancient Alexa just gave me that. (laughs) What did you just say to your mother? Look, (laughs) I legitimately thought cocaine was used. No, I'm it was, sure but like, that was like in like the dental 1900s. Work and stuff? Oh, yeah, okay. but that was, like, we're talking way <clears throat> far back, 5th century BC. What am I, a historian here? Well, you should be, Miss Cornell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he, like, he tried to do good instead of treating these people as evil because everyone mm-hmm. else just wanted to, like, throw sticks and, you know, shame them and, you know, do exorcisms on these poor people. And he's like, wait a second. This isn't working. Let's try yeah. something else. Which is pretty advanced for the time. Yeah, really advanced. We, I mean, even in the 1900s, like a couple decades ago, people were like, anxiety, that ain't real. <laughs> like, you need an exorcism. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, most of the timeline that I'm going to talk about came from the U.S. National Library of Medicine, uh, their website, and uh, particularly an article that was called Diseases of the Minds, Highlights of American Psychiatry Through 1900. So this article was so fascinating to me because obviously it's part of the National Library of Medicine, yeah. number one. But number two, it's just it's so fascinating with the timeline. Um, so obviously, fast forward to you know the Middle Ages, which is the 1400s to the 1500s, Um, People believe still that the mentally ill were possessed and that they were evil. That's just point blank period. So they were treating them the same way, trying to do exorcisms, you know, stoning them to death. Kind of how they treated the witches, too. Like the Salem witch trials. Yeah. Yeah. They would hang them. They would burn them. They would do, you know, terrible, terrible things. Then we move into the 16th uh, century, which... Um, these professionals tried to isolate and imprison the mentally ill people. And this is when, unfortunately, the experiments started. Um, So the experiments during this time that they would do, um, they would treat these patients with harsh treatments, including boring holes in the skulls of these people with mental problems because they thought if they could drill a hole through the skull, of the person and just get rid of that area in the brain that they could cure. How did they know the what person? area it was coming from? That's like a, even if you even they if don't that have was the technology like, that we have today to like know okay the frontal lobe cortex blah 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 <laughs> like the spot is the spot. Yeah. They just like maybe if they we just give their brain a little more room to breathe. Right. <gasps> 
Oh my, can you imagine the pain? Can no. you imagine the pain? No. Oh my God. No, no. I cannot imagine the pain. Mm-mm. And I mean, obviously these people died like instantly during these experiments. Yeah, you would think after one, they'd be like, okay, um, shock therapy? Like, like yeah. let's move on to the next idea. Yeah, and so, you know, that was, you know, obviously 16th century, so 1500. So moving to the 18th century, um, the treatment... Uh, they practiced treatment that would try to help these people or that they thought would help these people. But obviously it was very, very, very dark treatment. So some of the examples that they would do is they would chain them um, in dark rooms, often in like basements of areas. Um, They would limit the amount of sunshine that these people would get. Their activity would be taken away. Any activity, any freedom, any communication would be taken away. Um, And of course, they would continue experiments that occurred, which now had advanced. So instead of just drilling holes into their heads and seeing them just like dying, they would now submerge these people in water for hours. So kind of like waterboarding. Um, I read something where they would legit like get these people to where they were almost drowning, like dying of drowning, but bring them right back up right before they would die. Um, also, you're doing all of the worst things to treat like a general somebody, role for mental health is to get exercise, have plenty of sunshine. Well, now we know that. Yeah, I'm but saying, they didn't but know like, this. can you yeah. imagine how it like actually like no off the wall these people no. went? No, I can't. Like what makes a physician in that time? And again, we're talking about the early 1700s, but think that, OK, I'm going to drown this person. And maybe and they won't be so depressed. Their mental illness, <laughs> yeah. Like it is just wild to yeah, me that no, you know some of the things that they did. So, um, they would mummify people alive, wrapping them in these garments for hours or even days at a time. Um, they would force people to shower in ice cold water or ice cold baths. Um force them to wear restraints for hours or even days at a time. This is Um, like actual torture. It is torture. Wow. And the doctors justified all of this because they were like, this is what's going to treat them and this is what's going to keep them safe. I wonder what their actual in like quote unquote scientific findings were like, what was their scientific reasoning behind all of it? We'll get into it. Oh yeah. We're going to get into that too. And we're going to get into, um, the percentage of how many people were actually cured. Um, you know, keep in mind, I haven't gotten to the timeline of the asylums yet, but you can only imagine the smell, the filth. It was poorly run, limited food, limited water. I mean, if they are treating people like this, they're definitely not taking care of them by any means. No. These like, pe- we're going to drown you, but here's a hot meal. Probably yeah. not. No, they are malnourished. There's low staff. Um, so it was all in all just a bad area. And again, they were still trying to pull in the religious aspect with the scientific aspect. So they would bring in, you know, like priests to perform exorcisms at the same time because Ugh. they were realizing that their treatments weren't working. Wow. I yeah. mean, and I'm assuming, especially if you're not uh, 
under demonic possession that just going through an exorcism Mm -hmm. is traumatic alone but then you're being tortured and deprived and all these other things on top of it right i would be like this is hell i'm living in hell legit hell legit hell and you know these poor people were looked at being evil and the physicians and the priests just wanted yeah. to get the evil out so I'd, at that point i'd be like just kill me like yeah. at this point yeah just don't worry about it save yeah. save the time and effort here right well we'll talk a little bit about that too mm. <clears throat> okay so 1752 still in the 1700s Uh, The Quakers in Philadelphia were the first in America to create an establishment to care for the mentally ill. Um, There was a new hospital within that area in Philadelphia, and they had rooms in the basement available. Um, This is where they would allow the mentally ill to stay. Um, However, the rooms had shackles attached to the walls uh, to keep the mentally ill shackled. So... It sounds more like a prison than a hospital. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yes. And and worse than a prison. Worse than a prison. Because they're in the basement, no light, shackled. Right. Um, 1773, so getting more into the timeline of kind of, you know, how many psychiatric hospitals there were and the development around them. 1773, Virginia, uh, the state of Virginia, decided to build a small hospital in Williamsburg for the mentally ill um, who were causing problems in society. Okay. So this hospital was called the Public House uh, or the Public Hospital for Persons of Insane and Disordered Minds. A lot of these names of these hospitals are, are terrifying. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Terrifying. But side note, Williamsburg, Virginia is absolutely beautiful. Like yes. especially in the fall. Yes, that's when it's I was there. Absolutely gorgeous. Or the area. Yes. But oh, it's so basically pretty. Basically everything on the East Coast during the fall is just gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So 1792, the New York hospital decided to follow suit and they opened up a ward for insane patients. Um, But also at this time in 1792, not related to this New York hospital specifically, just the timeline, there was a doctor in Paris named Dr. Pennell. um, And he found what's called, uh, he was the one who founded uh, the moral treatment. Um, He believed that treating patients with mental illness with needed care and kindness could improve their conditions. So he made sure that all of his patients were unchained, put in rooms with sunlight, gave them the freedom to exercise and walk around the facility. And because of this, Dr. Pinnell inspired the Quaker Society in New York um, to follow suit. So they did. Um, and they would try to treat these patients very similarly or in the same way to see if they could reform the mentally ill. So as we had talked about back in what, like fifth BC, fifth century BC, mm-hmm. that physician did the same thing. He's like, well, why are we treating these people like they're criminals? Yeah. We need to treat them like we need to treat them with kindness. We need to like change they have a their... mental illness. Yeah. We need to give them activity. We need to let them exercise, stuff like that. So Dr. Pinnell kind of set a new standard, but 
Unfortunately, not for long. Yikes. Yeah, I wonder how that was received just publicly. You know, um, well, at this time, like there weren't too many mental institutions. We're talking about three within the late 1700s Hmm. in the United States. Yeah. So um, in 1808, uh, the... Um, New York State Hospital created a larger facility, but in 1821, they needed an even larger facility. Um, They just got so many patients, not only from New York, but from other areas, Mm -hmm. you know, on the East Coast. So people would travel and drop off their loved ones or whatever the case may be. Um, So they built what's called the Bloomingdale Asylum, uh, which is now considered in the Upper West Side of New York. So just think of that area, but that's where it was. Um, Fast forward to 1894. So we were in 1821, 1894. um, The facility ended up closing and moving and building a new facility um, in White Plains, New York. And if you don't know where White Plains, New York is, it's right outside of New York City, like 20 minutes outside of the city. So um, they called this facility the Payne Whitney Westchester Hospital. Wow, Um, that is a mouthful. I know. Payne Whitney Westchester Westchester Hospital. Got it. Okay. (laughs) And... Today, it is part of the New York Hospital of Cornell <gasps> Whale Medical Center, which what? I thought was fascinating. Yeah. yeah, and that's who's writing all of these articles, articles about all of this stuff. Yeah, they really are. Hmm. So keep that in mind for that timeline. I know we bounced almost to the 1900, but we're coming back to early 1800. So 1817, uh, Philadelphia ended up opening another uh, asylum. They called it the Asylum for the Relief of Persons Deprived of the Use of Their Reason. Wow. I'm going to say that again. Yeah, please. The Asylum for the Relief of Persons Deprived of the Use of Their Reason. Persons Deprived of the Use of Their Reason. I feel like that should be like a nursery rhyme. Persons deprived of the use of their reason. Okay. Right. (laughs) Seriously, though. Like, what are these names? Like, why not just Philadelphia Asylum or the Asylum? I don't know. So, yeah, they um, opened this asylum up as a private medical hospital. Again, it's by the Quakers because that was a, you know, known community in that area. Um, And today that building is still standing and (gasps) it's known as the Friends Hospital today. Friends Hospital? Mm -hmm. So we went from the people deprived of the use of their reason (laughs) to friends? To friends. So you guys should have kept the original name. You should have kept it, right? fucked up with that one. Can you imagine like, and it's like operating today. Yeah. As... That hospital as a hospital, like a normal people hospital. hospital. Okay, but still terrifying. Yeah, I would not want to be a patient. Okay, and this is in eighteen seventeen. No, the city. Oh, this is in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I want to look up this place. I know you should look up some of the buildings. Yeah, like the timeline. Well, creepy. I will say I have 
traveled to a couple of places where like this was previous like when I was on tour and we did oh, all yeah. the East Coast cities, they were like, This was previously a mental hospital. Mm. There was one theater that had a jail in the basement uh-huh. and like old school, like slide the iron bars, yep. lock and key. I mean, we saw some weird shit. I y'all. wonder so I went to fun fact, I used to travel a lot for work and I went to Then she got put on the no flight zone. Yeah. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a terrorist. Um anyway. So I went to this town. It's called Nassawatix, Virginia. So right outside of like Williamsburg area. Um, but you kind of drive to like an outer island. And I went to a facility because I used to work in, you know, nursing homes or whatever. And I went to a facility. And this facility, you're going to be like, whoa, what the fuck? This facility, when I pulled up to it, I got the heebie-jeebies. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, and this you're one of those like, people, you can feel that shit. Yeah, this was like terrifying, legit terrifying. I'm like, oh my God, and I have to work in this all week? Like, They're what? like, and we saved you a room for your overnight stay. Yeah. Also, I'm a big fan of American Horror Story, and this was, it no. looks like one, it looked like the hospital in the, one of the American Horror Story seasons, so I was like extra freaking out. This is what it looks like walking up. Yeah, no, I'm out. Right. So absolutely not. This hospital was built in the mid 1800s. I want to say, yeah, right around this time. Exactly. (gasps) No. Exactly. And Mm -mm. it was a mental, like a psychiatric hospital at one point in time. So I was freaked the fuck out. Needless to say, and I'm like. Oh, my God. Of course, I'm working here all week. But I've been to a couple of facilities that are in old hospitals like that, that were asylums. It's it's crazy. There's like one in St. Louis. I think it's St. Louis. It's apartments now. And it was this massive mental mental asylum. And I'm like, how could anybody live Live here? Oh, my knowing that. Yeah. Knowing that. I just I I, you couldn't. If my rent was free, I couldn't live there. Nope. Mm mm. Nope. So, anyways, yeah. Back, so back on top. Back to the timeline. <gasps> Eighteen twenty-four. Um, the Eastern. This is another great uh, name for a hospital. The Eastern Lunatic Asylum <laughs> opened. Oh my god! I know. Opened in Lexington, Kentucky, and it was the first mental institution outside of the Northeast. I think they said like west of the Appalachian Mountains. Um, And it is still open today. This building is standing, but it's known as the Eastern State Hospital. I was hoping you were going to say it was called Best Friends. Yeah, the Best Friends Hospital. (laughs) Besties. Lunatics. It's so funny. I I totally understand like words evolving, but like saying crazy and lunatic and insane and all these things. I would just never fly. Fascinating. Yeah, Yeah. especially today. Right. Oh, God. Um, So 1890. Fast forward, obviously, like 66 years, but 1890 at this time, every state in the United States had a mental hospital or asylum at some sort of some sort. So whether it was like a ward in the basement of a hospital or they put little like makeshift trailers next to hospitals, but they had institutions. So just to make this correlation. What year is that? 1890. 1890. But we are in 2022 and we still right. know 
very little like we yes. are just now getting to a point where we accept that there exactly. are like and <clears throat> I know there's a whole spectrum of mental illness that's like anything from having like chronic depression to having like psychosis and DID and right um, <clears throat> at least according to the NAMI or whatever it is like they even list autism as like yeah. a mental defect right so I know there's this whole spectrum but it's crazy to me that some of the basics of mental health we are just now like getting our out. shit together with yeah but we had as insane asylums back at this time in 1890 what the fuck went wrong we created right. a cell phone in a matter of decades <laughs> but we can't figure out how the fucking brain works right that is infuriating to me Isn't sorry that that's crazy? my rant no it's crazy <laughs> and a lot of this the rest of the story is gonna infuriate you so. sorry i keep clearing my throat guys you're just gonna have to get over i have severe allergies yeah she's falling apart i am um, so in the Take early, me to friends. <laughs> <laughs> in the early 1900s, mental hospitals were now overcrowded. Um, and the inhumane treatment did not improve in most, if not all, of these asylums. So, you know, I read an article that said people would just pawn off their, like, kids or their family members that had any sort of mental like illness are you gonna get into the ice pick lobotomies yes okay that that's my favorite part of this whole thing yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy but they really did like if let's say your kid is throwing uh, in this was right this was one of the stories a husband and wife had four kids and two of their four kids they sent to an asylum because two of them wouldn't listen they were just being brat little shits oh my god so they sent these kids to this mental asylum because they thought that their kids were messed up and they weren't they were just terrifying as a kid like you could get sent away to one of these places because you threw a fit yeah and this was like in the 1870s but the kids ended up dying both of the (gasps) kids because of the experience the experiments that took place mm. on them Mm-mm. and so can you imagine like in that time i mean now we're it said by 1890 you know there's a mental asylum of some sort in every state you're just like sending your kids off because they're not listening or they have what we now call like adhd or you know it literally anything, anything. they could have just been brats they could have been they could have had autism they could have had yeah. Just uh, even like slow learning skills. What yeah. is that called? Where you're like not. It's very basic. My brain is blanking. Oh, uh, like dyslexia or, or something. Yeah, learning disorders yeah. or just things that Literally, make you not. Um, or they might not have even been mentally ill. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Could have just been having a bad fucking day. <laughs> bad day. Wanted to throw a fit. <gasps> yeah. Wanted some attention. I don't know. So the rest of this research and um, this in this story comes from a couple of articles, but most primarily uh, talkspace.com. I read a lot of medical articles too. And back to, you know, the medical journal or whatnot, but um, talkspace.com, there's an article called the history of the inhumane mental health treatments um, by Renee Fabian. And it was so interesting, like reading about the treatment. So we talked about the timeline in the U.S. Now we're talking about the timeline of the treatments. And we kind of talked a little bit about it. Um, but we are getting into the nitty gritty of these treatments in the 1900s. So 
Henry Cotton was a medical director of the New Jersey's Trenton State Hospital from 1907 to 1930. Um, And he believed that if a patient had infected body parts, that that is what led to their mental illness. So like just like you have a sore on your arm? Um, Or you have an infected tooth. Okay. So. Logical. Very logical, right? So he decided, okay, if there is a rotten tooth or a potential infection, I am going to pull these patients' teeth because that is what's making them crazy. So um, he quickly realized that that didn't help the patient. So then he moved on to other parts of the body. So he's like, okay, well, if it wasn't the teeth, maybe the saliva is getting stuck in their tonsils. So I'm going to remove their tonsils. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. When that didn't work, he's like, all right, well, the saliva and the infection is now in other parts of the body, including the stomach, the intestines, the appendixes, gallbladders. If you tell me he removed that shit. And parts of the colon. So he thought if any type of that infection was left in the body, he would have to remove those body parts of the person in order to cure them of mental illness. And he clearly doesn't know if there's an infection or where it would be. He's just kind of like going down like his like fake skeleton. And he's like, well, after the tonsils comes the heart. You know, we should probably get rid of that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Seriously, seriously. Oh, my God. So as he realized, he's getting rid of these people's bodies, body parts. They're and dying. They're dying. <laughs> um, he murdered a lot of people trying to cure them because, yeah, clearly did not cure them. Wow. I wonder if he's listed as a serial killer now. Yeah, he should be. That is terrifying. Very terrifying. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, the infection somewhere. So you big fan of your toes? Because we could take those next. What is that song? Like the like the, the elbows con- connected to, to the, the arm the- bone. <laughs> yeah, that one. It's like the teeth are connected to the tonsils. Yeah. The tonsils are connected to the stomach. <laughs> That's literally what he was singing. He's like, okay, the so the infection spreads from your stomach. <laughs> the infection spreads to your colon. Yeah, seriously. Like, oh my god, that is sick. It is sick. I so, just, I'm, again, I want to like read his notes that suggest like where in any way this clicked in his head as like scientific uh, knowledge. Evidence of any sort. Like, well, like, I just assume that once like, the infection left the stomach, it traveled yeah. to the kidneys. Like, isn't this like anatomy 101? I would assume. Like at this point, we've cut open a couple of bodies in, in the right. time of humanity. Or you've humanity. Dis- dissected a frog or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, according to this open frog, it looks like the infection went. Should be in the colon. Um, so <laughs> back on track, guys. Stay focused. Anyway, so a little later in the 1900s, a man named Julius Wagner Jorig um, knew that high fevers stopped symptoms of advanced syphilis. So he thought it would be a great idea to inject patients oh my god alexa with schizophrenia who had schizophrenia with malaria infected blood 
What? Yeah. He even earned a Nobel Peace Prize Shut in 1927 up. because of this. Guys, this is way, we are too civilized at this point for this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So, and get this, he earned a Nobel Peace Prize, but only 15% of his patients were cured of schizophrenia due to being infected with malaria-infected blood. The rest of his patients died. Which do we know now, schizophrenia can't be cured, can it? Just controlled? I think it can be controlled just by medication, but I don't think it's something that can be cured. cured. I don't want to get into that debate because I have a very weird opinion about schizophrenia but we'll talk about but it my point episode. being is it could be zero percent we're cured 100 potentially exactly depending on what the actual facts yeah, are i mean we what is know. stopping these people from like faking it you know yeah like, or just being okay they, for a while like maybe they tried something else a new medication that was working but instead yeah. he's like nope it was the infected it was needle the it was the malaria. Yeah, it was the blood. malaria that cured schizophrenia. Yeah, and he's infecting somebody else's blood. And yeah, this so they're person. probably also getting like all kinds Very of other sick. shit. So they can't even focus on the schizophrenia. Yeah, they're yeah. probably in the high fever, especially. They're probably fucking out of it. Oh yeah, they're like, I can't focus on anything else except mm-hmm. the fact that my body temperature is one hundred and five. Right. Wow. So also that year, a German neurologist, uh, Manfred Sickle, created the insulin shock therapy. Mm. Pray the gay away or shock him to death. Right. Well, uh, he would inject high levels of insulin in his patients, and this would cause them to have convulsions and go into a coma. Um, he would then revive his patients from the coma, thinking that they were woke from the dead and that they would be cured of any mental illness that they may have. What the fuck? So this is an actual electric shock therapy. This is shock like we're sending your body into a coma shock. Yes. We'll get into uh, electric shock therapy wow. in a little bit. But um, he would repeat this treatment also uh, for months at a time on the same patient. Um, and keep in mind, this would cause a lot of symptoms, including amnesia and, of course, death. I mean, he yeah. had a lot of people dying because of this because they would be brought into a coma and they would die. I believe we talked about a serial killer who would inject his patients with insulin and they would go into a coma yeah. and die, right? Yes. Who was that? I don't remember. But we just mm. talked about him not was too it, long ago. Was it a man or a woman? Or I thought it was a, a man. Mm. I don't know, guys. We've done we, like 50 serial killers yeah, at this right. point. They're we all really blending have. together. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it's Ted Dahmer now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bundy. Jeff Bundy. You know. <laughs> um, but so... He would repeat this treatment on his patients for months at a time. Um, you know, they would, a lot of them would die. Um, but by 1941, 70% of U.S. asylums were using this treatment to try to cure mental illnesses, except schizophrenia. For schizophrenia and epilepsy, which I thought was crazy that they even classified this as a mental illness, um, they use metrazole shock therapy. So this was a similar similar therapy, um, but it was developed by Laszlo von Meduna. He was a Hungarian physician, um, and he said that he could produ- produce seizure-like convulsions, which would shock the patient's brains out of the mental illness. 
which oh. I thought was crazy. So metrazole um, is a convulsant type medication. Yeah. Right. And so. Sure. But I said, yeah, like yeah, I knew. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I yeah, knew that. I know. Yes. I read Cornell's but, website too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm basically a doctor. See my shirt? Basically a detective. Yes. Basically, basically a doctor. doctor. Um, But he seriously thought that if they could have like seizure like convulsions, that they would be cured of their mental illness. So part of this article, um, it listed this book called Shrinks, The Untold Story of Psychiatry. And the author was Jeffrey A. Lieberman. Um, A couple of quotes from his book said, quote, Metrazole also provoked thrashing convulsions so violent they could become quite literally backbreaking. So they're injecting these patients with this medication that's and their seizures are that intense. Those convulsions are that intense where they are breaking their backs. This has been torture from day one for these people. Day one. And we're not done. Another quote oh said, in 1939, an x-ray student at the New York State Psychiatric Institute found that 43% of patients who underwent the metrazole convulsive therapy experienced fractures in their vertebrae. 43% of those patients. And how long did this go on for? We'll talk about it. Okay. Mm, yeah. Wow. Another quote said, you get blown up and you go unconscious, like something boils up. This came from a patient. He also said, I felt every time I took this as if I was going to die. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That and and God, well, I'm sure at this point. What 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 years are we in in the 40s like we're Mm -hmm. also still not to a point where we've recognized mental illness as what it is today right so we're still probably talking about people who just had like severe depression Mm. right like this isn't just like the worst of the worst like psychosis and like fucking murderers like we're also talking about people who like have panic attacks yeah or people who are just like probably have rage or so like yeah. I mean I don't know I mean they listed epilepsy yeah I mean epilepsy. that is not so we're gonna just shock illness. the fuck out of them to the point because where they're convulsing they have, so bad they're breaking their backs yeah I mean they oh. have seizures like it it's just it's wild it is so wild to me man so in 1982 I'm jumping forward but going right back but this is relevant to this part in 1982 the FDA revoked their approval it took them 40 fucking years revoked their approval to use metrazole as a treatment for schizophrenia epilepsy and depression this was in 1982 40, 40 years and 6,000 broken backs later oh Probably like 500,000 broken Wow. Backs. I mean, that's yeah. just so sad for those people. Right. However, um, in 1950, the psychiatric institutions were no longer using metrazole as a treatment uh, because they started using electroshock therapy instead. Mm-hmm. So... As we know, electroshock therapy is probably the one, the most well-known treatment. So if you think about like mental institutions or asylums, what, what do you think about like the treatment-wise? Electroshock therapy. Right. Um, 
So this treatment can be dated, which I thought was kind of crazy, back to the first century AD during the Roman Empire. So it is said that they would take like eels or other types of fish and shock people with mental illness or um, like criminals with those fish to try to cure them, Hmm. which I thought was kind of crazy. Yeah. I would take a fish over an actual electroshock therapy treatment, but um, <laughs> my, I don't know. I was stung by a jellyfish. That shit fucking hurts. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> it, it was does. not fucking fun. Yeah, but it's not like waves of. Yeah, I also grabbed an electric fence through. one time. You did. So I can compare the two and genuinely <laughs> say. <laughs> fun fact, I still have a ton of mental illness, so I can contest that. Shock therapy doesn't work in any form. <laughs> so which would you take over? Would you rather... Oh, I would be... take the electric fence any day. Okay, over the jellyfish? I was sick wow. for a week, vomiting, all kinds of gross stuff. Wow. I have a scar from the jellyfish. No, I would wow. take an electric okay. fence. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> oh God. 1938 to 1945, um, the electroshock therapy took precedence as treatment. So that's when it was like, first involved in these asylums as a treatment but again by 1950 this is when you know they weren't doing other treatments other than electroshock therapy um you know the physicians decided that this was the best treatment because it had less risk than the metrazole with the fractures and that they could use drugs uh, to drug their patients beforehand, such as like a muscle relaxer or a pain pill. Um, so that way the patient would be more relaxed. Yeah, I, don't, I wonder how that works. If you have, would it still be less painful? I mean, if they are on pain pills and or muscle relaxers, their body is going to be more relaxed. The pain isn't going to be as painful, I would think, because a pain, fil- a pain pill blocks your blocks, pain receptors yeah. and a muscle relaxer is going to relax, you know, your muscles. But then and your it's kind of like counteractive. So exactly. then the shock therapy probably wasn't as strong. And so they boost that they boost shit that up. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm just guessing here. Right. I mean, completely agree. So. Um, Ernest Hemingway, who we all know as a novelist, short story writer, and a journalist, actually received electroshock therapy for depression. What? Yeah. Okay. So, um, the last seven months of his life, he was treated, um, with electroshock therapy. Um, he said that he had delusions, depression, paranoia, um, suicidal thoughts, but after each therapy or they called it a therapy session after each therapy session he said his delusions got worse his depression got worse his paranoia got first and his suicidal thoughts got worse so um unfortunately he killed himself with a shotgun um yeah Mm. so that just goes to tell you if it's gonna kill ernest hemingway it's gonna kill anyone right um they said that you know, electroshock therapy increased amnesia and many other symptoms, including suicidal thoughts. Um, I want to say, and this wasn't factual, it wasn't in like any medicine type journal, but it said like 40, I think it said 41% of patients um, who received electroshock therapy either died on the table or due to suicide. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that the damage it it mm-hmm. did to mm-hmm. everything, not just yeah. their brain. So, right. and these people are doing, I'm assuming, repeated amounts of time. Yeah, he for, did it for seven months. Yeah, that, ugh. Yeah, seven months. I want to say it said like 20 some treatments. Yeah, that that's what I'd months. be curious about is how many. Yeah. And Ugh. he was willingly going to a therapist. Like he wasn't yeah. locked away in an no. institution. He was like going to his doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, do this. And he, he's willingly agreeing to right. it. Right? Can you imagine the poor people no. that are like prisoners in these asylums that have, that to, have to get it? Yeah. Yeah. No. So um, another quote from Lieberman in his book says, and quote, depressed patients in particular often showed dramatic improvements in mood after just a few sessions of the electroshock therapy. Because they're fucking out of it. Yep. While <laughs> there were still some side effects to ECT, they were nothing compared to the daunting risks of coma therapy, malaria therapy, or lobotomies. It was truly a miracle treatment. Mm-mm. Yeah, so now Mm-mm. we're going to move into lobotomy. Oh, I, lo- I could probably tell this story by heart. I know. I'm obs- There was it's a wild. Netflix thing that broke down like old medicines and like all these different like weird things. Yeah. And the, the, the lobotomy aspect, it fascinates me. So for all the listeners yeah. who don't like graphic content, I it's feel like lobotomies are like, whoo, right. it's a whole other level. <laughs> so... What a lobotomy is, for those of you that, that don't know, it's a surgical procedure in which the nerve pathways and the lobes of the brain are severed or cut in those areas. Um, so all throughout the brain, you have so many nerves, obviously. And so they go in and they cut these nerves. Um, and at this time, the physicians and the psychiatrists thought that if they could cut the connection to the mental illness, then the patients would be cured. So reasonable enough. Right. The patients would be put into a coma like state. Uh, some of them were alive and not in a coma like state, like well there mentally. Um, the doctors would use a hammer type instrument going through the top of the eye sockets um, and they would start to cut. Yep. The nerves that connected to the frontal lobe of the brain. Yep. And, you know, this is the area of the brain that they thought would regulate the emotion and the mental illness. And how they knew that, I have no idea because we had no type of scan. No, not at this time. (laughs) They thought that this would change the behaviors and induce calmness into their patients. Um, Obviously, that wasn't the case. Um, If anything, it made the patients worse. A lot of them died. Um, and some of them left mentally incapac- incapacitated yep. to a point where they were in a wheelchair, they couldn't talk, they couldn't walk, they couldn't eat. It was like a paralyzed type state. Um, I also read that because of the patients were so bad that they would be induced into death. Also, did you, I, did you mention they did this consciously? Yeah. Yeah. I said some of them were in a coma or some of them were like mentally awake. So the guy who created the ice pick lobotomy where they literally put an ice pick in the eye socket and hit it with a hammer like a couple of times, like like you could hear it. Yep. 
um he would do this nerves. in front of classes yeah like he would get, get a room full of students yep. and people and perform ice pick fucking lobotomies yep in front of people yep these poor patients would be tied down with straps and like screaming and crying yep. and there was one yeah. that was about a housewife who had some sort of um what what we would probably diagnose as like postpartum depression oh or just you know normal stay-at-home mom depression and they performed on her and like she went off the rails like oh she God. went insane i think ended up either committing suicide or dying naturally but the mm. fact that well, people went in there because they well, did it right 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 but, but yeah. um but going in for something as I shouldn't say depression is simple, but something that like that and thinking hammering out a portion of your brain. Mm. Oh, I just I know the lobotomy so aspect is uh, I guess give me shock therapy all day because the right. lobotomy mm-mm, you ain't going near my eyes. Right. Or my brain. So, yeah, I can't even like I can't even imagine, you know, how these people felt. But now we are to 1955. Um, the late 50s, and we are now determining that none of these methods really work. Yeah. Or worked. Um, if anything, it caused a lot of deaths. So we are going to start prescribing medications to these patients. So by 1960, a lot of the asylums were closed um, due to medicine and the ability to treat the patients more humanely. Um, the mentally ill were no longer in fear of their lives by living in these inhumane asylums. Um, they didn't have to worry about the exper- the experiments anymore, the shock therapy, um, or any other like life-threatening crazy treatments without consent. Um, as we know, this treatment of medication has carried through to to today um, and some of the well-known meds that were used in the 20th and 21st century include lithium uh, valium prozac and thorazine of course there are a lot of other medications we are consistently evolving with medicine and uh, as we know all of which cause side effects oh absolutely and sometimes side effects that make whatever you have much Even much worse. much worse yeah so wow yeah um, well, real quick, I think it's safe to say we should do my section in like a part two. Yeah, I completely because agree. Because that was a lot. A lot. Yeah. But can you just, I, I, yeah. I put myself in these people's shoes and I think about having like depression and anxiety and, and then you, but you get shackled to the wall, drowned, starved, probably you're freezing mm-hmm. to death, ice baths for days on end and all mummified, the mummified electroshock therapy. lobotomies. Yeah. And it's something as simple as I mean not again, not always, but like exercise and sunshine and drinking more water could have done you wonders. Or a simple pill. Or a pill. Yeah. Or therapy, talk therapy, going yeah. in and just literally like talking about your feelings. And obviously we're there's schizophrenia and psychosis and yeah. all these other things yeah. that are a little more intense. But yeah. I just I would not have wanted mental health issues back. <laughs> right. Basically back before, I don't know, 1990. Right. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I mean, <gasps> even today, you know, it, it's looked as 
an illness and we are still trying to figure out it's a lot of trial and error it is a lot of trial and error and we're realizing what works for somebody with schizophrenia may not work for another person yeah i mean at the end of the day there are chemical imbalances we we know there's so much shit in our food and everything that we drink that can you know make those genetics yeah make everything worse than what it should be and so we are consistently trying to figure out the best type of treatment for any type of mental illness whether you said it's something like depression or bipolar or schizophrenia or a did personality borderline personality yeah all of that And we are seeing, you know, those numbers are climbing and rising today. I mean, look at the number of kids with ADHD that are on Ritalin or, you know, a type of medication similar or, you know, the number of kids with autism or, you know, there's so many people that are prescribed medication these days because of those illnesses and i get it i medication is a million times better even than through trial and error treatments. than any of those treatments oh, or any combination God. of those treatments but it's still it's crazy that mental yeah. illness and disease and defects are yeah. still such a huge mystery such a huge mystery and that and i th- but to be fair to the medical world, every yeah. person is different. Like yeah. what treats one person person's depression doesn't always treat the others. No. And like for it's me, just so complicated. Yeah. For me, if any time that I feel some sort of depressed, I can go to the gym or I can go for a walk outside and I feel great. But for somebody else, you know, that might not work. Right. Like they might have to have medication or they might have to go to therapy or, you know, whatever the situation yeah. is. So. It's it's so fascinating to me to see how we are treating, you know, society today with mental illnesses. Right. Yeah. And discovering more and more. Um, like DID is one that fascinates me because there's still like I I don't know this actually, but from what I read, because I watch so much YouTube over mm-hmm. DID, um, dissociative identity disorder, that there's Which still is- Previously known as multiple, multiple personality, personality disorder. Is that there, I want to say the majority of medical professionals don't even think it's real. Yeah. And, and I just that read, just blows my mind because I'm yes. like, we don't even know actually like if this is real or like yes. how the medical world views it. I just read something today about that. Yeah. How a group of physicians like published in one of the physician journals saying like, this is fake. And any criminal who uses this as an excuse wow. to get to plead insanity. But like then the argument fake. comes in as like, okay, so let's say that it is fake. Yeah. Again, playing devil's advocate here. Right. Haters. Um, <laughs> we're telling um, both sides. We're telling both sides. We're being fair. Then what is it? Yeah. Like then these people live a life, uh, yeah. live a lie 24 seven. Then right. what, then what is that? If you right. don't think DID is real, then like, then what is that? Because exactly. that is dedication to a false disease and in shame, your eyes. Exactly. And shame on them. It's like, if these people with DID are truly being truthful and saying, this is what happens. Yeah. Shame on you for telling them that they're lying. Yeah. If they're being truthful. No, absolutely. And, you know, 
talking about liars too, a liar will believe their lies. Right. So then you have to throw that aspect into it. So it's like, right. So what part of this is like valid and what part of this is true? And I even read something with that. I forget who it was. It was a, some criminal, like an armed bank robber back in like the sixties. Um, they studied his brain. He ended up, I forget his name. I wish I knew. Um, he ended up pleading insanity for multiple personality disorder mm-hmm. and said that whoever it was, I'm just going to say the name Doug. Doug told him to rob these banks and to be very violent. Seriously, but I forgot. It's Doug. Um, Doug told him to rob these banks. Dirty he, Doug. Yeah, to be very violent, to, you know, beat the the bank tellers and stuff like that. Um, but his name, I don't know, Fred, was like, no, there's no way I would have ever done that. And like during trial, he was like, I didn't uh, do that. He I didn't do that. He switching. Was, he was switching. Yeah. And then Doug would come through and be like, no, yeah, fuck yeah, I did it. Fuck those people. And then Fred would come back and be like, where am I? Like it was right. fascinating Ugh. just to see and to read. But it's like somebody like that. Are they truly playing this game? I mean, or again, there are do there they really are people have. who live like I follow YouTubers with DID that talk yeah. about their life. Hang on one sec. Let me finish. They studied his brain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They cut open his brain. They studied it. There was no difference between somebody with DID and somebody without. And so that's one thing that I think mm. these physicians are having a hard time understanding is that. The brain is the same. Yeah. The only thing that they did see is he did have some like damage to the frontal cortex, which could be like PTSD or whatever, mm-hmm. which could lead to DID. DID. Because that DID is caused by, by trauma. trauma. It is a created yes. illness. It is it's a created illness. Your genetic. brain is protecting you. Your mind is protecting you yeah. from this trauma and helping you get through this trauma. Well, it's kind of like you can't scan a brain and tell if someone is um, delu- delusional. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, I, I know You can't people- cut open a brain until they're dead. So... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, like, I hate you. (laughs) All right. Well, now that we probably sound like fucking morons and fun fact, guys, if you cut open a body, it instantly dies. (laughs) Maybe not because I could cut her arm and she would live. (laughs) Oh, my God. Jeez. Well, okay. So amazing mm. amazing shit mm-hmm. for in- for socials we need to post pictures of these places we really do um yeah. next episode we're, we'll release this thursday as a part two but we're going to talk about pleading insanity so now that you guys have a visual of what these mental asylums and, and institutions the timeline and the history yeah now that you know what the treatments were back in those days now we're going to tell you at least, and we're not talking about people who check themselves in. These are people who were forced to go to these places, whether they're criminals or, yeah. well, they would be criminals yeah, unless falsely, yeah, unless falsely accused. But for the most part, we're going to talk about criminal criminals that are sent to these places, why they're sent there, what does pleading insanity mean? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, 
We'll see you Thursday. Go follow us on social media. Also, please, 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 um, wherever you're listening, rate the podcast five Five stars. stars. Apple, Spotify, all of that stuff. Hit the download button. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit like, hit subscribe. And um, stay sinister. Bye.